Hi everybody and welcome back to Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel all about trail and ultra running. Today I am going to be asking coach and physio Tim Piggott who won this summer's Spine Challenger race um, 100 miles across Pennine Way. Um, I'm going to be asking him what is the least training that I can get away with or anyone can get away with for running a 100 mile race because I have a crazy crazy plan that I would like to tackle the Montane Lakeland 100 on the uh, at the end of July this year. Um, so welcome, Tim. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Thanks for having me back on again. I'm uh, supporting the the Wild Ginger Runners colours here. Yes, yeah, um, you're doing very well. Yeah. I've got the hoodie on just here. There's, oh, there's the yeah. hoodie, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, have, have you been running today? Like, how's, how's your day been going so far? Uh, I've been on the treadmill uh, at lunchtime, just, uh, just under an hour on the treadmill today, yeah. Oh, wow, well, that's yeah. good. Um, is that because you're with the kids today or um, got the stuff on that you can't get? No, mountains? I... Um, <laughs> it's possibly a little embarrassing to say as a, as a physio and a coach, but um, I was trying to do some track workouts at the start of the week and just uh, tweaked my hamstring. So, um, oh no, <laughs> uh, just not nothing major, but enough just to go. Okay, just take it back a level. So yeah. I was just doing a, an easy run on the treadmill. Uh, yeah. I've got a, a fancy contraption. It's called the lever device. So it's um, a bit like an anti gravity thing. So you oh. wear some um, basic big neoprene shorts and it's got some pulley systems. So you can just offload. The, the stress on the, the legs so you can just keep training but just reduce the load on those muscles so just whilst that hamstring settling down again I can keep running but just not not stressing it quite so much so oh, that's wow. just what I was doing today awesome. it's fine I'm, I'm sort of back on it a couple brilliant. of days rest back on it again yeah back on it again oh yeah. brilliant oh well that's really cool um well not the injury but the fact that you've got that thing um yeah that sounds like a really good um yeah a good thing to cope with injury yeah it kind of i suppose in a way it sort of fits into part of your question there about sort of minimum mileage and it's yeah. almost kind of flipping that round well for me that's a way that i can get more mileage mm -hmm. but without the same stress on the legs um and therefore less risk of injury usually yes yeah um maybe i should get one <laughs> There are, if you've got a treadmill, um, they are a very useful bit of care. They're not cheap, but they're a lot cheaper than a, a full-on anti-gravity treadmill, if people are familiar with those. Yeah, or digging a swimming pool in your garden like the Brownlee brothers did. Indeed, And yes. um, doing the whole swimming thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, well, um, I hope that it clears up soon. Do you think it will take long for it to shift, or do you think no, it will be all right? No, literally, you know, a few days, and it just needed a couple of days to just, you know, be careful, ride on the bike. So yeah. I haven't stopped training. It's just, uh, yeah, I've not been out on the fells uh, yeah. today. Um, I'll probably get out there again, maybe on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for the moment, you're just taking it easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you've been on my my local hill this morning, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Maybe I should have come to your house. <laughs> well, we could have done it, yeah. You you're really you're only about sort of 20 minutes away from me at the moment. Oh, that probably would have been better than me dashing across back to Vicky's house and speaking to you on this. I could have just come around, couldn't I? <laughs> Um, um, cool. Well, there's lots of people that are super excited for this chat because a lot of people are getting into ultra. A lot of people follow this channel because they're getting into ultra running, um, mm. and this, the sort of holy grail these days seem to be seems to be you can't just run a marathon or even 50 miles. You've got to like go for the hundred. And I've long thought, oh no, it's much too far. It doesn't sound like fun at all. But so many people are doing them. I just, <laughs> I really just want to know what it's like. So. Mm. I just decided maybe I should aim for a really hard one as my first one. Obviously, what a great plan. Um, <laughs> but I kind of wanted to do one this summer. And I didn't yep. know um, what you thought about the amount of training that I can put in. Is that mm -hmm. going to be enough? Um, what's the least I can get away with? Because I'm, I've got a toddler, obviously. I've got this yes. job. And I just have been getting quite exhausted lately as well, which I'm um, looking at with some blood tests and nutritionist advice and things like that. So um, I haven't been exhausted since before Christmas, so that's good. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of hoping this year is like new year, new me. But, mm. Yeah. What would you say? What would you say? I kind of want. I want to go away with sort of like, what shall I do on Monday? What shall I do on Tuesday? What shall yeah, I do on okay. Wednesday? Kind of like, kind of like that. Um, yeah. I don't know whether I should start by telling you what I currently do on those days and then go from there, or yeah. Well, then we we can look at this in in a couple of different ways because people are obviously going to you know listen to this this interview um, to try and get that answer of you know what is the minimum I can get away with in order to achieve it. And I'd maybe just spin that question slightly. And it's more a question of 
what do you want to get out of the the event? You know, why are you entering this? Um, because can you finish a hundred miler on very little training? Well, the answer is yes. But are you going to enjoy it? Yeah, that I do want to enjoy it. Yeah, and I think that that's a kind of crucial thing. And also, it's a question of what else have you got coming up? You know, after that one. So, are you prepared to do the bare minimum? You can get yourself through it. You know, if you're doing an event which has cut-off times that you know you're just ahead of the cut-off and you can just about do it. But yeah. is that then going to leave you utterly broken for and stressed. months? Yeah. Um, now, if you're prepared for that, well, okay, fair enough. Um, you know, you can you can fast hike a hundred miler, mm-hmm. and you'll probably just be ahead of the cutoff times, and you'll get round. And yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but if you want to, obviously, when I say do better than that, it's not necessarily about you know being better in terms of your finishing position or your time. Yeah. But better in terms of actually being able to enjoy the experience not be in vast amounts of pain yeah you know questioning your life choices (laughs) yeah I definitely want to like get rid of too much pain like I want to enjoy it basically I want a nice day two days out because if (coughs) it's your first hundred your your main goal is just cross that finish line well the first thing is get to the start line and then it's to get to the finish line yeah but when you enter any event like this, it needs to be seen as part of the bigger picture, that it, the, the event itself shouldn't be your destination. Mm-hmm. It should be part of a longer journey of you developing yourself as a runner. Maybe you've done some 5Ks, maybe you started, you know, couch to 5K, then you've done 10Ks, then you've done a half marathon, you've done a marathon, and you're thinking, you know, what's next? Um, I always use the analogy that, you know, in the 80s, the question was, could I run a marathon? <laughs> in the 2000s, it was... Um, or the 90s, it was could I do a triathlon. 2000s, it was could I do an Ironman. And, and now it's, you know, can I do an ultramarathon? And the answer to all of those questions is yes, of course you can. Um, yes, it's hard, but it's very, very doable. And, you know, pretty much anybody can achieve this kind of, you know, sporting achievement. Wow, that's um, really good to know because so, that makes it... But again, I take it back that the more experience you've got, of other endurance activities, again, the less you can get away with doing because your body kind of knows what to do. Your mind knows what to do. Mm-hmm. And certainly when we're going over the marathon into these ultra marathons, the mind is playing a far greater role in your overall performance. Um, I mean, you mentioned the, the spine challenger at the, the start of the, the call. Um, and a good friend of mine, he, you know, again, he, he finished um, high up in the in the field for the race I was doing. But he was getting away. He was doing sort of 20 to 30 miles a week. Oh, really? Every now and again, getting out, doing a long a long day at the weekend. That might be yeah. once a month. So then, you know, once a month, his mileage might be a bit higher. But on average, he was only doing probably, like I say, 20 to 30 miles a week. And he finished, um, what did he finish? Fourth. Wow. Okay? That's amazing. But he's got decades of endurance experience. Yeah. He's done other 100 miles mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. But because of, you know, life just didn't allow him to get out and do that kind of training, but he still managed to do very well. However, he was also very, very broken At the after end. that. Yes. Yeah? Okay, yeah. So, the so more we took a lot out of him do, in order to achieve that. The more enjoyable it is and the less broken you are afterwards. Yeah. Okay. And also experience accounts yeah yeah so, I was thinking you know, I need you... to draw on all of my experience because I've been um long distance hiking since exactly. the age of 12 so I feel like I have the good hiking endurance background so at least I've got exactly. that in my favor so you know somebody like yourself who has a really good depth of endurance experience who is well accustomed to putting a pack on your shoulders and going at a at a steady clip you know, fast hiking, fast walking, bit of jogging, mostly walking, da, 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 just keep going, keep going, keep going. Because you've got that experience, you know what it's like, you'll just drop into that rhythm, into that routine. And, you know, you know from experience that as long as you keep putting food in your mouth, you will keep going. Yeah, yeah. So I, suppose, uh, there's, I was looking at all the things that could make me stop um, 
and I've sort mm. of got a bit of a list of things that have made me DNF ultras in the past. And, and the biggest one is blisters, actually, on my right well, foot, well, the little toe. So I've been really... Uh, last year, I've sort of been semi-preparing this for, for this for about a year now. Last year, I tested, like, all of the trail running shoes that exist, basically, mm. in the world. They keep having bring out new ones. Um, but I actually have been really enjoying using my Scott Supertrack RC2s. Um, I've just used them today, just out. I've just been on Pendle Hill this morning. Um, do I thought I'd do five hill reps of the steps. I, I took me two hours to actually get to the steps because I parked at the Nick. And then, um, okay. yeah, I did one rep. And then I was like, oh, my God, I need to run down the hill now with this huge sack of concrete on my back. And it mm. was it was really not pleasant running back down um, because I had a sack of concrete on my back, which was an error. Um, note to self, hiking takes longer than running. And, yeah, so I thought I'd do... Uh, five reps only did one but at least it's a start um and oh what was I what was I going on about oh yeah the, so the, the shoes are working well um mm. the other thing that might cause me a bit of jip is my right hip when I did mm. a 40 mile walk with my dad when I was 15 or 16 it sort of kind of dislodged itself a little bit and I had to sort of physically hold it in to complete the hike and it's sort of given me a bit of jip ever since so I'm going to talk to Nick um, Nick Knight at NK Active about that um, and but then but apart from blisters I think the only thing that's going to stop me is the cutoff time pretty much because I'm really determined so I won't stop but I could be timed out because I might be mm-hmm. a bit slow because that's what happened to me on the Bob Graham round I did the round but it took mm-hmm. me 26 and a half hours so yeah. like, it might, I've completed it but not I'm not in the club because I was a bit slow. It was really bad weather, but yeah. Also, I needed good weather to get round in under twenty four, and it wasn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's it. What you need to look at is all the different things that could potentially go wrong. Yeah. And have an action plan for every single one. Oh yeah, you told so, me about this know, in your chat, um, didn't you? I talk about this um, in one of my sort of post spine. Um, well we had a chat as well didn't we didn't yeah we? I'll, I'll then. Link so the maybe above, stick a, a link yeah. to that one above Tim's head um, there I'll link to the chat where but in, in the military we head. talk about actions on so whatever happens you've got an action on I'm going to do this mm-hmm. and you just go through every possible eventuality so that when you are you know 50 60 70 80 miles into this you're starting to get tired your brain's not working properly something goes wrong well I'm just doing this mm-hmm. There's no panic. There's no fear. There's no stress. It's just, well, I do this now. So if blisters are a problem, yes, you prepare in advance. You make sure that your shoes are good. You make sure that your socks are good. You make sure that whatever lubrication you're using or taping strategy you're using, you've tested that and you know it works. But then you also have an action on if this goes wrong in the race, what am I going to do? So maybe it's a case of your feet start swelling in those shoes well, yeah. you just got a plan. Well, I'm going to have a pair of shoes in my drop bag, which are half a size bigger. Yeah, I'm ne- well, definitely going to do If you get to that, I, you know, I've got I've got to, you know, my drop bag in many races in the past, and I've had that second pair of shoes, and I've not needed them mm-hmm. because my feet have still been okay, so I've mm-hmm. carried on. Yeah. Um, but then there's been other times where I have needed them. So they've, they've always been there, should I need them? So that you never get to that point where, yes, your feet are swollen up and what am I going to do about it? I've now got a problem. Yes. Um, I'd have, you know, spare pairs of socks. Yeah. So again, I can change that kind of material on my feet. Yeah. Different Maybe. taping strategies, things Would like you that. you have like a different pair of socks every 20 miles? Because Vicky was saying that she um, puts a spare pair of socks in and at 20 miles or so she'll change socks um, and it's brilliant. So again, I would have the option there, certainly. Um, do I always take that option? No. It's a question of if my feet are okay, I'm not going to touch them. I'm not going to start messing around. So if I get to an aid station and, yeah, my feet might be a bit bit soggy, but I've got no issues, I'm not going to start undoing my shoelaces and taking things off because yeah. I might make things worse just by the process of doing that. Okay, if it ain't broke, feel like don't you need fix it. it. Go for it. Okay, that's good to but know. But, yes, I would always then have the option. So, you know, again, I did a, um, a race back in January last year, another 100-miler. And we had a, a drop, we had about sort of four or five drop bags, I think, along the route. Yeah. Uh, or access to our drop bag. Um, and again, for each of those, I would have a spare pair of socks. Yes. Clean socks. I'm, I don't I'm think making, I'm changed, making some notes. I don't think I'll change them at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Fantastic. So so there's the prep like that that I very much am doing. I'm like writing lists left, right and centre. Did you have a big spreadsheet? Like I feel like a spreadsheet coming on. Did you have one? Yeah, so I, I use um, some goal-setting software called Goalscape. Okay. Do you have to So that you can maybe it? stick a link to um, – I've got a couple of uh, examples up on my Instagram page. Okay. It's almost like a massive pie chart. Mm-hmm. And you think about oh, yeah. which elements are more important to you. Okay. And then what are you going to do about it? And then we can think about how you're kind of working towards achieving those goals. So it might be, you know, the physical preparation for doing the, the 100 miler. But it's not just about the physical preparation. It's about your nutrition. So what are you eating um, both in day-to-day life, but also obviously in training? Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned about some fatigue issues that you've been struggling with. Yeah. And, and you mentioned about obviously you're then looking at the nutrition component for that and getting on top of things. Great. So you need to be thinking about how am I using my nutrition in day-to-day life to support my training? Am I eating enough? Yeah. Because obviously as the training load goes up, your energy demands are going to go up. Yeah. Um, you know, you're a... Uh, a young mum as well you got a uh, toddler that you're dealing yeah. with and there's the energy uh, <laughs> demands of, of that as well on, on top of work and, and everything else yeah so I think I then there's also the nutrition there's also the nutrition for the actual event itself the, mm. the the race that you're doing and you need to test that and train that but you also need to train your gut mm-hmm. so you can train your gut to take on more calories more carbohydrates than it would initially start off at being able to tolerate. So you might initially only be able to take on maybe 50 to 60 grams of carbohydrates an hour, but you can train it mm-hmm. to take on more and more. Now, people will be quite familiar with um, some of the studies out there looking at mountain runners and triathletes taking up to 120, and some people even more than 120 grams an hour. Wow. For an ultra marathon runner, because the intensity is that bit lower, uh-huh. probably can't be taking that much in. But if you can push your hourly intake to kind of 80 or 90 grams an hour, okay. you're going to do far better okay. than if you're only getting 40 or 50 grams an hour in. Okay, per hour. But that will take practice. Of carbs. And I could do that with um, drinking as well as eating as well. Yes. Because I don't usually drink any any kind of energy drink. I just drink water. So that's one thing yeah, yeah. That I could really easily change. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you need to see what works for you. So, you know, I will generally have a mixture of some energy drink, but a lot of it will just be plain fluids. Mm-hmm. And then I get my calories from either gels or pouches or I use some supernatural fuel pouches I did the review for wild ginger running yeah um, so again maybe stick a, another link up in the corner yeah, stick a link um, up in the corner. <laughs> um, you know they're just real food uh, and they're really useful as a as a source of energy but mix of protein carb and um, fats in there as well so just kind of give your stomach something else to play with rather than just sugar because again, you will get taste fatigue. Yeah. So, you know, dropping one of those in every couple of hours is really, really useful. Yeah. Or other real food. You know, it doesn't have to be packaged, processed yeah. in any way, shape, or form. Um, one of the guys I, I used to coach, um, he would just do ultra marathons on um, hummus and rocket sandwiches. Oh, right. And, okay. You know, it, it would turn up for the race check and it's like, where's your energy supply? You know, where's your food? And, here's an orange and here's a sandwich and that'll be it for you know a 30 mile or so brilliant i might try with pizza because i really like a pimped yeah. up pizza you know like a few more toppings a bit more cheese and it's really absolutely. easy to squishes and it's really easy to eat as well so there you go perfect yeah, absolutely. and so i'm guessing from this from what i'm getting from you with like you know you've got to try your blister strategy you, all your gear all your nutrition you need to be doing some long runs like i know your friend just did like a 20 mile week and then just bobbed out for some small runs yeah but, so I've got the opportunity with um, with Finley for my mum and dad to look after him once a month at the start of the month for like two yeah. nights. So I have two days basically to get somewhere, do some good training in the mountains and come back again via him to pick him up, I think. Um, yeah. And so that's that's an interesting thing because I, I want to know, uh, there's a question um, about living in flat places from, from Sean that I want to get to in a minute, but I just, I've got this opportunity, but would it be better for me to run during those times or would it be better for me to take a big heavy backpack and hike? Like, because I, I ran yesterday with Vicky and then I hiked the same route today. I don't mm. feel anywhere near as beaten up by the hike as I did by the mm. run, even though I was carrying over 15 kilograms on my back. I yeah. have poles and I feel like I could, 
go and do it all again to be honest whereas the run yesterday yeah. obviously chasing Vicky you know how fast she is I yeah. felt like I didn't want to do another thing <laughs> so what yeah. would be most beneficial for me to do on those monthly outings to the mountains do you think so I mean the answer will depend you know I can answer this maybe for you but the answer might be different for somebody else okay um if if running that kind of distance you know running let's say it was eight miles yeah but in terms of preparing for the hundred miler if running essentially all day is an entirely new thing for you you've never done it before then there is value in going out there and doing some five six seven maybe even eight hour day you know some some big days on feed yeah I have done that. Because you need to learn what it's like. You need to learn what it's like to keep eating. You've got to learn what your kit is like. You know, are your shoes still comfortable? Is your pack still comfortable after that amount of time? Yeah. So there's a lot of learning involved with that. Yeah. However, there is an increased injury risk. You know, once you go over three hours Mm -hmm. for your long run. Yeah. Then your injury risk is going to go up. Okay. And if you're only doing this once a month. Okay. Then that's a that's quite a novel, a, a sort of new big increase in your training load once a month. Then it drops back down again. Your risk of that that kind of overload weekend being very very challenging and potentially doing harm is quite high. Okay. So I have the opportunity also to go out on a Sunday, yeah. every single Sunday, and I could yeah. drive to the peaks and do six hours and drive back. I yeah. could, like so, make those monthly ones a bit less of an event. Exactly. But it might be that, you know, your your monthly trip away, your weekend away is, yeah. you know, maybe you do a good long run on the Saturday. Okay. You know, it might be you go out and do three, four, maybe building up to five hour run on the Saturday. Yeah. And then you go out Sunday morning and you do another two, three hours. But that's more of a sort of I'm going to be fast hiking this and if my legs feel good I'll jog a little bit but the emphasis is purely on time oh yeah not on trying to hit a certain distance yeah fast hiking okay yeah so wouldn't you just spend the whole day at that second day hiking no not necessarily it might even just be half a day you know it could be you know 50% of whatever the Saturday's volume was Oh, so the big day would be the, the first day mm. and the second day would be like a bit of a recovery day. Well, I wouldn't call it a recovery day, Adventure but it's day. certainly a lower volume, lower stress. So, again, in ultra running, a lot of ultra running training programs will have, you know, these back to back days where you do a big Saturday and a big Sunday. Mm-hmm. And you're going out on that Sunday run and, you know, maybe doing 30 miles on the Saturday, another 20 miles on the Sunday or something like that. Yeah. But the thing is, the Sunday run, you're often going to be quite beaten up from the Saturday session. You're probably going to be quite tired. You're probably not going to be moving particularly quickly or particularly well. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you haven't got a big amount of overall weekly volume in there, then the chances are that's a huge chunk of your weekly percentage in two days. And your risk of overload injury just goes up. You know, if you look at a lot of the elite um, ultra runners, they're not doing back-to-back days. Yeah, well, Marcus Scottney says he doesn't even believe in back-to-back days. No, But then he exactly. does do double days. So he goes out twice during one day. Yes. Mm. So, I mean, that's that's another important thing. So, you know, there's a lot of elite, you know, ultra runners who will never go over three hours for their long run. Some mm-hmm. of them even less than that oh. because it's all about quality. However, they're doing two like Marcus said there, or even potentially three runs uh, in a day. Okay. You know, go out in the morning, go out at lunchtime, go out in the evening. Yeah. Because again, you know, this comes back to what are we trying to train your body for? Mm-hmm. You know, you're going out to do this 100 miler. Yeah. Let's be I honest. I think will be miler, basically hiking. It's going to be hiking and it's going to be hiking for more than 24 hours. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. And that's where I've fallen down before because in all, for all my ultra training, like Cape Wrath Ultra, I trained for running and I ended up like, well, the blisters were killing me. Yes. But I was like, I remember saying to myself, I didn't train for hiking. Like I, I'm just walking this. And it yes. was just a long walk basically. Yeah. So and that's why I thought, get big backpack on. That's what Jasmine Paris told me to do. Yeah. So yeah, thought do that. No, absolutely. Um, 
and what you need to train for though is just being continually on the move okay so you know go think about the um chrissy wellington from the triathlon world although yeah. she's now into ultra running yeah um, so if anybody's aware of her you know one of the classic questions she was asked when she was at the top of her game was you know how many hours a week are you training mm-hmm. she didn't have an art she didn't know okay because training was 24 7 okay and we've got to think about almost in the same way here that we're trying to train you for you know something that's going to take more than a whole day so you can't you can't practice that in training no but what you can practice is you're never sitting still for very long standing up desk vicky said all right so standing up desk is useful but it's just things like breaking it up so you go out and do um you know had a chap I trained for the full spine, so the 268-mile spine last year. Yeah. And he would just go out for breakfast, you know, okay. one mile hike around the block, come back, have his breakfast, do a bit of work, go out for another little walk, do his run session. Again, take the dog. People might be able to hear my dogs chewing away down here. <laughs> Get a dog. Borrow a dog. <laughs> yeah. Because then you've got to go out. You've got to do even just those short walks. Okay, if, so that will help. If it help. means that there's always just something happening, if it's a case of you're commuting, well, try and park a bit further away, get off the bus a bit early, bit earlier, or the train a bit earlier, or whatever it might be. But trying to incorporate just a little bit more of that almost kind of zone zero, zone one level yeah. of activity. Just jogging, walking. I really like that idea because I could definitely, I could jog with Finley in the buggy to nursery and yeah. leave it there and jog back home or take it yeah. back with a sack of potatoes in or something to make it heavy. And that's training. And then I could go for a lunchtime walk because I know yes. I usually work through lunch just because I'm boring and I get into stuff. Yeah. And then after Finley goes to bed, I really struggle with doing anything. So if I eat with him at six, I put we could put him to bed like seven, eight o'clock, and then I could just go for a walk around the field, just a walk exactly. in my running stuff. And if I'm feeling sprightly by the time I get out there, but I think I could push myself to do a walk, but yes. not a run. So but this is it. You I know, could ultra do that. Think, things. You know, training is going for a run. Ultra mm. running. Well, let's be honest with ourselves. Mm. How much running happens in it's an ultra, ultra hiking? I just wrote an yeah. article for Adventure.com about how ultras are actually it should be called ultra hiking because for the most for the most part exactly. for the most of us we're just plodding along, aren't we? And but it's not most of us; it's all of us. Yeah, you know, I, you know I've been fortunate yeah. to you know win a variety of different ultra marathons, but I've walked in every single one of those. Yeah, yeah, any hill. You're walking. You're hiking, yeah. We call exactly. it power hiking. It sounds better. <laughs> That's it. So you've got to make sure that your slowest speed is faster. Yeah. So the, And you've got to practice your walking. So that actually your walking speed yeah. isn't vastly slower than your, your running speed. Okay, so practice sort of fa- walking fast, walking briskly. It's purposeful. Yeah, purposeful walking. Purposeful. I like that. Purposeful walking. I'm making um, notes here. Purposeful yeah. walking. And we've got a few questions, a few really, really good questions coming in from the live chat. This is a very popular chat. There's tons of people watching live. Thank you, everybody, for watching live. And if you have got a question for Tim, then we might just have time to fit some in. Um, But Sean O'Keefe, he wants to know, um, he says, how would you recommend working on your uphill running slash hiking whilst living somewhere pretty flat? And I want to know that too, because... Stanford does have a few hills, but it's in the main pretty flat. I'm guessing yeah. you're going to say hill reps. <laughs> well, it might be finding a small hill and just doing lots and lots of reps. Um, you know, I've, I've trained people who, you know, live in the Netherlands and places like that where there are really no hills for mountain ultras. And it has just been finding a very, very small hill and just doing 100 repetitions of it. Wow. The classic, you know... Um, People in London training for the Bob Graham, it's just running up and down stairways in tower blocks or whatever it might be. Yes, car parks. Obviously, if you can get access to a treadmill, whether it's in the gym, things like that, then doing um, tread hills. Oh. And it is, you know, putting it up at 10, 15% and just hiking away and just working on that hiking speed on a on a treadmill. Yeah. Um, and mixing it up, then maybe jogging a little bit, fast hike, jog a bit, fast hike. Um a stair machine. Uh, again, I, I ran CCC with a, a friend of mine uh, a while back. Again, he loves lives down um, just outside London, no hills, did loads of his training on the stair machine in the gym, and he absolutely smashed us. Um, <laughs> and this is me living in, you know, getting access to yeah. some decent hills around so he where was I am. on the stair machine. Can you buy a stair machine? They must be really expensive. You, you can. Um, can you just go up and down your stairs in your own house? 
does that you can, I mean that's is, what people did in lockdown yeah um, I, I would say that. that's incredibly boring it's really boring um, and also it's really hard to turn around like all the time it's like doing lengths in a 10 meter pool it's like exactly oh, yeah oh, so yeah I, I wouldn't be recommending using your own staircase although okay. I know people that have it wears the um, carpet out it's a question of what you know needs must if if, if but the other thing is just building up that leg strength. So it is about maybe getting in the gym. And, and this goes for, you know, anybody training for an ultramarathon. You know, the, the strength and conditioning side of things is invaluable. Yes. Okay. And yeah. Strength. A lot of us who are doing it are, um, shall I say, a little bit older. And, you know, once you're going over the age of 30 and over the age of 40, then uh, S&C becomes incredibly important to the overall picture. So it is about it's doing your squats. It's doing your step ups. You know, there's some classic routines where, you know, just maybe take, you know, carrying a pack or using a weights vest or just mm-hmm. dumbbells, things like that, and just doing, you know, step ups and lunges just to build that that leg strength for going uphill. Um, yeah. And they're, you know, really, really useful routines there. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, if you are, you know, mainly living in the flatlands, is preparing yourself for the downhills. Um, right. A lot of us pay attention to trying to improve our uphill speed. But one of the things that actually differentiates people who do well at ultramarathons and those who struggle is your downhill speed in the latter phase mm-hmm. of the race. Yeah, when it hurts. So there's some studies looking at, you know, what's the differences between, you know, those at the front of the pack and those who are just struggling to, to finish the race. Yeah. And think about the differences between uphill and downhill speeds. And relatively, in terms of the speed uphill and speed downhill, the percentages aren't hugely different at the beginning, but it's towards the end that actually those who are who are better are doing far better at the downhill running compared to those who are struggling. Mm-hmm. And that comes down to building up your legs to take the impact of running downhill. Yeah. So that comes into practicing doing some plyometrics, okay. you know, hopping, jumping. Uh, again, you and I had a chat during lockdown i think it was about you know doing skipping for oh yeah um, you had me skipping uh, plyometrics <laughs> yeah you know it might just be as simple as that it's just building in some skipping drills get your skipping rope out yeah just to really build up that strength and um sort of tension in the the tendons to take the impact of running downhill yeah practice some bounding drills um you know jumping off a, a step just getting used to that impact force Okay, so maybe like you and I could like put together like three sessions um, that I could demonstrate for people like um, we could do like strengthening for uphill, strengthening for downhill and then just a general overall strengthening video because that sounds like it'd be really handy. So I could then do it with a pack on and and people could follow along. That might be quite an interesting thing to do, mightn't it? Yeah. Now you mentioned about the pack there. Mm. carrying the pack yeah obviously getting your weight of the pack as, as low as possible is is important um but not while novice, you're training yeah not i mean not well for the race itself trying to get it as, as light as possible yeah um you know novice athletes will always take more kit than is needed yeah and the more you do these things the more you don't you realize you don't need this you don't need that and you, you slim it down but of course you've got to have the safety kit you've got to have the the important stuff yeah but yeah what you can be certainly doing is is overloading in training yeah so doing um often gets called it's got an american phrase rucking um, okay or coming from the sort of uk you know tabbing or yomping tabbing. with your your pack on yeah so that's yeah, what i was I doing to get out. down from this chat from the mountain earlier i was tabbing yeah. with this huge sack of concrete on my back <laughs> exactly yeah but it just means that when you then put your race pack on it's super light and it doesn't feel too challenging yes but it's worth thinking about you know different individuals and i won't ask you your your weight on on camera i don't care um, 66 kilograms at the moment it's the heaviest well, i've ever been in your, my life apart from pregnancy but your running style will change significantly when you're carrying more than 10 percent of your body weight yes so if you can get your pack weight down to less than 10 percent of your body weight you'll still be able to run with with good form yes but yeah. if your pack is heavier than that so you know i was coaching a. Uh, um a very small petite uh, Japanese lady mm-hmm. 
And one of the challenges we had was even the bare minimum safety kit was going to be more than 10% of her body weight. Oh, right. Wow. So she needed so to So that significantly more. changed the, you know, the forces on her body and the style of, of movement that she could um, then use with when she was running. Yeah. So you do need to build that up and, you know, building up your back strength, building up your shoulder strength in order to, to take that. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in many events, I've seen people struggling more with their shoulders mm-hmm towards the end of an mm. ultra marathon than with their legs and it's the shoulders yeah. that are causing more problems because they're not used to carrying that, that amount of weight uh, yeah so i need to whenever i go for these little walks you know, like morning lunchtime evening put yeah. my race pack on or put my big backpack on like alternate so that i get or put fin- you know put finley in a, in a yeah carrier. i do hike around with him his favorite yeah. thing is to cycle into town it's all downhill and then i carry him all the way back which takes about half an hour so that's a nice five 15 kilograms with the backpack and him in and, and that's training back. it's good so you're training. asking me about what's the minimum amount of training to do well, actually, you're doing probably far more training than you realise. Yeah, I am. Maybe I should write it all down. I just don't tend to put those on Strava because it's just like then I'd have like five things on Strava every day. Um, so, but it's all part of it, you see. Yeah. Okay. So, is there like because when I was training, I'll read out. Um, oh, we'll just quickly cover this question from Peter. He's got a question on hiking because um, he is uh, he's he's asking if it should be based on distance or time. That's a, a very um, mm-hmm. a common question, isn't it? Because he's planning to add some to his workload later this year in preparation for 2024, but he's not doing anything over half marathon this year. Okay. Um, but yeah, do you base your, when you do your ultra training, the running and the hiking, what do you base it on, distance or time? So most of the time, it would be based on time. Yeah. Because obviously ground conditions will vary and therefore your pace will vary. Um, and if, you know, if somebody's trying to follow a training plan and, you know, one per, you know, two people are trying to do six miles, for example, that could be quite different amounts of time um, on those bodies. Whereas really what we're looking for is that time stress. However, it is still useful to, you know, have a few sessions within your training plan where it is to a, a set distance because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we're training for a, a hundred miles yeah. or hundred K or 50 miles or whatever it's going to, you know, whatever the event is you're training for. Um, you've got to know what that time is for doing said distance. So there needs to be some 20 milers in there. You need to know what 20 miles is going to take you. Yeah. Um, You've, you've got to maybe get some, if you're doing a 100 miler, you might be having um, a 30 miler as part of your, your training plan. You know, whether you do just one 30 miler, whether you do two or three 30 milers, depends on really how long your training plan is, is for this. Um, do you need to do a 50 miler before doing 100? You don't need, but it might be a useful exercise for you to do to, um, again, test and learn mm what it's like to be out there for that amount of time mm-hmm. so but it's balancing the risk reward of being out there for longer uh-huh. and the potential overload and potential injury risk versus frequency of just you know if you're getting out there and doing you know 20 miles every weekend so that doing 20 miles is almost nothing to you yeah brilliant you're going to be in a in a good strong place there Yes. Okay. That's really sound advice. Um, so with, with that in but mind... In terms, sorry, I'm just thinking, did I actually answer his question in terms of the hiking? I think for the hiking, I'd be more going out on time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then doing some... So it's a combination, really, isn't it? A combination it of, of distance and time. And um, with that in mind, like the build-up, I was thinking that like I've got um, several races booked to sort of yep. get me to level. So this year I've been focusing on half marathon and I've been focusing on like running them as fast as I can. So like sub two hours, hilly half marathons. And so I've achieved that as a sort of get back to running thing. And then I'm upping my distance again. And I am really experienced with running like 30 to 40 miles. Um, and I have done the Bob Graham, but it was 10 years ago. Um, so I do, and I, I'm really experienced with like hiking in the mountains so I've I've, like generally know like how to take care of myself I've done a lot of that but it's revising that and it's getting it at the forefront of my mind again so that's where the monthly things are going to come in handy but I thought I'd build up by like a half marathon in February um uh, or is it March I think it's March 
no, it's March. And, and then I've got a 30 miler in the Isle of Man, Manx Mountain yeah. Marathon. That's a lot of ascent. That's about 3,800 meters of ascent. So that's in April, early yeah. April. But then five weeks later, I've got the opportunity to do the Ultra Trail of Snowdonia. Um, and at the moment, I'm signed up to do the 50k, which okay. is which is really hilly as well. Yep. It's like 3,600 metres of ascent or something ridiculous. So I could do that one. Or, but I was thinking, should I do the 100K? Which is kind of verging on Bob Graham territory. It's like 65 miles and 6,600 metres of ascent. And I yeah. just thought, is that too soon? I've got enough time to recover. Do the 50K. Do the 50, why why do would the you say 50K. that? Because I yeah. would thought you have to stepping stone yourself up. So why why should I keep it low, the distance? Is it just to prevent injury? Because if you do the 100K, you're probably then going to need a few weeks recovery afterwards. You're yeah. not going to get the training done. Yeah. You do 50K, you'll be back training the next week. Yeah. Well, I was thinking the 50Ks would be, I've done loads of 50Ks before. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, they usually oh. take me eight to 10 hours if they're hilly and it's a nice yeah. day out. Um, so I was thinking that I should maybe push it a bit further in order to train for the 100. But please tell me no, because you do have to get up at four in the morning for the 100K, so I'm fine not to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, do- <laughs> I'm doing the 100K there. Are you? Um, oh, cool. Yeah. I'll um, see you there. And I've got a few of my athletes doing the 50K. Yeah. Um, and probably oh. at least one so You the just don't want me to beat you, uh, maybe Tim. That's what it is, isn't it? You just don't it. I, yeah, I don't want you to beat me. <laughs> Um, it's all about the consistency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, doing one or two bigger days out yeah. is less beneficial than more frequent, consistent training. Okay. So if you're going to go and do the 100K, you know, you're going to need to, to build up for that, but then you're going to need, you know, a really easy week beforehand. Right. You're going to need to take two, maybe three weeks, probably after that, of really easy recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, let's be honest, it's going to be an epic. Out. Even the 50K is going to be epic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's There's a lot of ascent. There's a lot of descent on hard rock. Yeah. You know, our legs are going to be sore after whatever you do there. Yeah. So if you then missed four weeks of training for one run... That's a big hole in your preparation. Yeah, okay. Whereas if you do the 50K, you can probably go into that, you know, not with a massive taper, just, you know, a couple of easy days beforehand. You know, you don't need to be tapering off hugely for that. Yeah. It'll be a good day out. It's going to be a hard day, even Mm. the 50K. Yeah, definitely. But you're not going to be broken afterwards. Mm Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah, the one that I need that, to, the A race is the 100 miler, so yes. everything needs to prep for that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's really interesting because I thought, oh, I probably should be doing the 100K in order to prepare. So, but that's really good. That's really good to know because I think a lot of people might think like that. Like, obviously, you get longer and longer during that year, but no, you don't. Not necessarily. You just train consistently. No. Good to know. Not necessarily at all. Yeah. Because then after the May race, I don't have anything planned until the 100 miler. So mm-hmm. I could obviously go yeah, and do my own thing. Um, but I've got our race, which is 10 to 20 miles that I organise, the Neen Valley Trails. I've got that at yeah. early June. So I thought, well, I need to just chill out about that. Now, I could do something late June, like maybe the last, I could do a 30 miler just off my own back, late June or something. Um, yeah, it could be another 25, 30 miler. Yeah, Yeah, because by that point, that should be really okay, shouldn't it? By that yeah. point, you're sort of peaking. Absolutely, yeah. And then spend the whole of June, July recovering and then yeah. do the 100 miler at the end of July and fingers crossed, hope for the best. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, for the 100 milers that I've done, in preparation for those 100 milers in that specific training block, I've never gone over 30 miles. Okay, interesting. All I've done is just got to the point where I'd go out every week and at least once a week, I'll be doing 20 miles Yeah. Okay. as my long run. Okay. I might be having, I might even do, you know, two 20 milers over the course of the week, you know, okay. one 20 miler midweek and another one at the weekend. Okay. It just okay. got to the point where 20 miles was nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. 30, all right, yeah. But it's just about the, the risk reward, as I keep coming back to. Yeah. You don't need to go off and do... You know, be you don't need to go and do a fifty miler as part of preparation unless that fits into a much bigger, uh-huh. um, you know, season plan. Okay. 
you know, there's a role for doing a 50 miler. There's a role for doing maybe 100K. Mm -hmm. You know, it has a place, certainly. But you don't need to do it. Okay. So we're coming back to your opening question of what's the minimum I can get away with? (laughs) You You don't have to do yeah big long days so 30 miles maximum yeah okay that's great and even if you're doing 20 25 miles as your as your big long runs yeah but you're doing them you know frequently enough Mm. that you're not scared you know if i asked you today right claire this afternoon your diary's clear you've got to go and do 25 miles go for it Mm -hmm. you'd be like oh right okay fine and go and do 25 miles yeah 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 so if we can get you you if we get yourself into that headspace you're fine okay okay well I'm there with 10 miles 10 miles is now yeah. easy that's fine I've done two eight miles over the course of the last two days and that I could have gone for longer definitely so I'm there to 10 miles so I'll work to 15 miles maybe now yeah, yeah. That's it. just go out regularly in my because my regular long run is usually like 10 to 12 miles so if I now just plan a load of 15 milers for the next couple of months yep and then get them out get the half marathon out of the way and then make it 20 miles every That's it. yeah so on sunday i should be doing around 20 miles then for the like the long run i'll just be saying you know your sunday run wants to be you know three hours or so okay and you just get yeah. you keep working on that you keep increasing that pace okay so then that that th- you know that three hours gets yeah. closer to uh-huh. i say you're doing 15 miles over that and then it and then every now and again you'll then go and push that and then that turns into a four-hour run and it might be 20 miles yeah so it's it's yeah so it's more like you go out for three hours see how far you can get in three hours and it should you should get a bit further and a bit further you get a bit, yeah exactly. so you know it might be you start off three hours you know you just get 12 15 miles done in the hills doing yeah. that i need and then you find actually you're getting more like 15 16 17 18 in three hours fantastic yeah. And then we think, right, what what can you do from here now? Let's see, right, if I say to you, right, now go and do 20 miles, let's see how long that takes you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just keep building, keep building. Yeah. I'll have to stop GoProing um, every five minutes because that really slows you down, doesn't it? I'll have to. I was trying to document my training, so I was um, doing some GoProing today. But yeah. I'll, I'll just have to make short films that aren't as good, you know, like where you don't go and set the GoPro up over there and walk past it and then walk back and then check it. And then I'll have to just like hold it out here and say, I'm training, I can't stop, bye. <laughs> I'll have to do that. You need a, you need what I've switched over to the, the Insta360. So you oh, just hold yeah. it out on the pole and just. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was like having your own drone, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It looks really cool, doesn't it? They do some really amazing stuff with that. Okay, so I think I'm getting a bit of an idea of how my weeks and my monthly expedition can plan out. Um, and, oh, I was about to ask you something else, but I can't remember now. So, oh, do you think that um, I should do a race in June? Um, or shall I just go for a 30 miler in June? Because it's the only month that I haven't got a race prior to the 100 miler. I hope I can do it. <laughs> I hope I can actually get in. Like, I'm, I'm just, like, talking about it as if they're going to let me in. Um, the PR team were like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do it. But I don't, I haven't actually spoke to Mark Blaithwaite of the okay. organisation yet. So I hope, I hope I can actually blag my way in as a journalist. <laughs> like, right, yeah, you'll like have to have a, a chat with Mark. I know they're, they're pretty strict. They are very strict. Uh, yeah, they're really strict. So I think I better check um, the Montaigne team because the girls are like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do that. And I don't know if that's actually okay with Mark. So yeah. I will actually check with them to check with him that right. that's okay otherwise i'll just well, sign up to mark one. if you're listening sort it out oh he won't be listening <laughs> i don't think i don't think he regularly tunes in i think he's busy <laughs> yeah. well uh, we'll tag him yeah we'll tag um, him in this and he'll be like what what she just thinks she can come <laughs> how dare she he'll probably not let me in just for that now just for you'll, you'll get you'll get blacklisted won't you? yeah i'll get blacklisted um <gasps> have you done the lakeland 100 I've done the 50. I've okay. not done the 100 yet. Yeah, uh, it just it's, looks it's, so iconic. Unfortunately, it generally clashes um, with my wife's birthday. So I've got to wait oh. for a year where it's sort of away from her birthday. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, um, yeah, it's a good excuse. <laughs> so what was the question there? Um, should um, you do a race in June? In June, beforehand? yeah. It depends on what you can get, you know, what races are available to you that you yeah. can get to. You know, if there's something suitable, then, you know, having a supported long run mm-hmm. yeah great you know you can practice aid stations 
um, things like that. You can just be carrying just your normal race kit as opposed to maybe having to carry extra if it's a, yeah. a self-supported run. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of the time when I'm doing sort of big long training runs like that, um, I'm up on the moors um, and I'll be doing loops and I can just use my car as an aid station, you know, 11 mile loop, come back, pick up some stuff, another 11 mile loop, come back, pick up some stuff, go oh. out again. Yeah. You know, so you do it that way. Yeah, loops. Um, but obviously if you can find a race to do where you then got a few aid stations yeah great then that helps you out but of course it depends on you know you're trying to juggle you know doing all this training in around the family as well so yeah. it's a question of you know do you just do something from home and it's time efficient or do you have to travel to a race and does that then involve you know foot more time away and yeah is it a hotel or you know whatever else is going to get thrown into the mix yeah so it really depends okay. on what your what your opportunities are as to whether you can do that or not yeah. do you have to do it no of course not okay um, i'll probably not then because i'll just take that month as an easier month and just do stuff mm. locally i can get to the peaks in two hours so that's where i plan to do a lot of my one day training yeah, um, yeah. workouts for uphill and downhill uh we can do that can't we um and then uh is it really mad of me to then do the Dragon's Back half hatchling race in the September after that race? It will give me about four weeks to recover from the 100 miler. Is it completely mad? Because I haven't said yes to them yet, but I just thought it would be great. And mum and dad are available to have Finley for a whole week, and they said they want to take him to the seaside. Do mm -hmm. I just go to the seaside with him and have a nice holiday, or do I go to the Dragon's Back hatchling? Because... Cape Bath Ultra was really kind of soul destroying and horrible because I was I was at the back chasing the cut mm. I was being chased by the cutoffs and it was very stressful on the last two days mm -hmm. and I was in a lot of pain and it and although it was a great experience I saw some great mountains and there was great people there I it's not an experience that I want to repeat because I did I don't enjoy that beasting and mm. pain so I thought the half dragon's back race would be perfect I need to look at the cutoff times just in case they're just as hard but just half um, yeah but I just is that mad to four weeks or so four four to five weeks later mm. do the dragon's back race as a lovely holiday is how i'm pitching it to myself it all depends on how you're going to recover from the lakeland hundred yeah and how you're going to recover from the lakeland hundred largely depends on how much training you can get done in the preparation for that yeah, well, I was thinking that the A race could be the Lakeland 100 if they let me in. And mm. then uh, the, the Dragon's Back race, I'd just be fit for if I just did nothing for the next month. Well, you still need to do something. I just walk them out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it possible? Yes. Is it Would sensible? it be enjoyable? Is any of what we do sensible? <laughs> well, I just thought it'd be nice to just hike about the hills um, on the Dragon's Back race and get the little baby dragon. But um, that's it. Lloyd I think that's it. If you can, you know, if you know that you can get your your body in shape, that you can just fast hike that that Dragon's Back. Yeah. And you know you're going to be happily ahead of the cutoffs, and you're not. This comes back to what I was saying right at the very beginning: is you know, what do you want to achieve from this? And you said about you know the the stress of being just ahead of the cutoffs can burn a vast amount of energy. Yeah. Whereas if you if you know that you're comfortably ahead of it, you can relax and you can actually enjoy the experience. Obviously, that's far far better, isn't it? Yeah. But if you're doing this and you're always scared, you're about to get timed out. Yeah. You're not going to enjoy the experience. So if you're not enjoying it, why are you doing it? Yeah. And also, it's not the whole thing. Like my thing is doing journeys and it's yes. kind of like just a bit of each day which is nice and you feel part of it but you have got to sleep in a tent and you can't have a shower there are mm. rivers of course but you know I've got to a certain age and you're just like no oh, I just want a hot shower at the end of the day maybe I should just make my own challenge later in the year um but L Lloyd said something really uh just just that just made me think um and and he said go to the seaside your kid is only young once um I don't know why I can't bring it up there very there wise Go to the seaside, your kid is only young once. So I could go with my parents and Finley to the seaside. And Steve yep. will come as well. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's just that Wise words. I think that the, the media team at the Dragon's Back Race were quite excited about me doing it. But, but then that is like a week. And 
all the footage the foot the footage as well like I have to think about I've got to charge everything every night as well it's not just getting yourself sorted for the run I've got to charge all the cameras make sure that the batteries are all there like take all mm-hmm. the equipment and then I've got to you know do that with my it gives me a stitch here sometimes if I do it for too long but I've got to think about the film as well mm-hmm. and and that is a, an extra stress and for doing that for six days and then the editing afterwards for six days I either have to pay somebody to do that for me or do it myself mm-hmm. and I'm writing a book which is due in in the end of September so maybe it's probably not a good idea is it it's not a good idea it's not a good plan is it Tim I'll just aim for the hundred and I'll, I'll like fingers crossed that they let me in because because the hundred like the reason the other reason I want to do the hundred is because I'm writing my next book which is the ultimate ultra running handbook and um, hopefully you'll be a part of it and um if you want to and I uh, I ha- the only thing I haven't done, I've done multi-day, I've done the Bob Graham, I've done like hot stuff, I've done cold stuff, like co- coastal trail, like coastal challenge co- Costa Rica. Mm. I've done like the Lakes Mountain 42, like in the middle of winter with crampons and stuff like that. And I've done like all the ultra distances up to 65 miles and multi-day stuff, but I haven't done a hundred miler. And I just feel like I, I want to hand that book in having had an experience and not mm. necessarily finished, but had an experience of training for and doing a hundred mile. Cause it's the only thing that I can't talk from personal experience about. I, I can obviously ask people like you about it in the book mm. would, would still give really good information, but I just fancied it. Mm. <laughs> so that's the other reason. And that's why I want to make it my main goal to do yeah. my like, this year. The other thing that I'm petrified about is if there's a heat wave like that, I don't survive well in heat waves. I'm ginger. It's just not good for me. So, yeah, heat waves is scaring me as well for this summer. But then again, you've, you'll just have strategies. If it is hot, what are you going to do about it? Have the right clothing, fluid plan, cooling strategies. You've just got plans in place. It's not a problem. Got plans in place. Okay. And That's you also good. train for it. So you prepare your body for the heat in advance. Yeah. Yep. Um, I've just got a question from Severin. She says, see if you get into Lakeland 100 and then decide after. Also, why are you planning to do all these hard races over a few months? Oh, well, I'm just getting a bit excited because I'm like suddenly able to go away a bit more. Now Finley's, he's nearly two in January. And this is what I used to do with my life. And Mm. I'm just kind of getting my life back again after COVID and then having a kid. And I've just got really excited. And I love the Manx Mountain Marathon, really want to do that one. I've got offered a media place at the U um, Ultra Trail Snowdonia. So Mm -hmm. obviously said yes to that one. And then, um, yeah, and then the Lakeland 100 was just something I was chatting to the Montane guys about. And they were like, I was like, I could do the 50 or I could do the 100. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's only three. It's only three races. So I'm, I'm not going to do Dragon's Back. I think that's a bad plan. I think, I think that's it. You know, if, not if you can't year. do Lakeland 100, then, you know, Dragon's Back would be a, a good shout. Um, yeah, if I can't get in there. Yeah. Well, let's let's have a chat off off air. I might be able to help you out there. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I, I do know the, the, the PR team at Montaigne were in, were interested in paying me to make a film um, on the Montaigne Lakeland 100. So presumably that means they could get me a place. But that is yeah. not how, that's absolutely not how it works. I've listened to all the podcasts about it. I've listened to Mark Lathwaite on the Run for the Hills podcast. Yeah. I know about all the ballot and everything. So I know that I'd yeah. absolutely be jumping the queue. And that's like horrible but it is like a media thing isn't it so that's why yeah yeah. Yeah. okay oh and Lloyd says um a hundred miler is an amazing experience it frames every issue I have in life ever since oh that's cool he obviously hasn't been through childbirth um (laughs) most definitely things seem relatively easy now definitely go for it for it awesome oh thanks for that Lloyd sorry for sorry for taking you down with the whole childbirth thing now I know you'll never get the opportunity if you do (laughs) Um, that's why all these guys do I've been through far worse than childbirth (laughs) what you have yeah you have actually yeah you have yeah um and uh, Tad says, um, hello, Tad, new patron, Tad. He says he's just tuning in and he's got this mad idea to do a mountain 80K in June. The longest he's done so far is a half marathon. So, yeah. What do you think about that then, Tim? Um, okay, you just got to build up the, the that time on feet um, and just getting getting used to being out there. So, you know. Like you're doing, just getting yeah. out there and going hiking, you know, getting a pack on your back and 
if it's a, a mountain 80k then yeah it's getting into the hills and building up your your hill craft so getting used to you know navigating is getting used to being on on challenging terrain obviously the elevation and you know up and down yeah but yeah it, it's just because we've building that time about. on feet and yeah. don't worry about you know when you're training for a half marathon it's all about being able to run mm-hmm. a certain mm-hmm. distance and fast it's getting that out of your head and thinking about it's time on feet and whether you're running or hiking fast it doesn't matter it's just the time on feet that we're trying to build up yeah Okay, cool. That's good advice, Tad. But also, Tad, if you have only run half marathons before this, there's like no rush. Like, mm. why not try a 50k first or, or a trail marathon first? I think a lot of people, they see these big distances and they think, oh, I'll do park run and then I'll do 100 miles. Believe me, I have been doing endurance hiking um, mm. since I was 12. <laughs> I did a 50 mile walk when I was 17, swore I'd never do it again. Um, so yeah, that's the length of time that I've been doing these things. So don't don't feel like just because I'm spending a year seemingly springing up to this 100 miler, it does take years of experience mm. as well. Um, and Hannah's really nice. Hi, Hannah. She says, excited to follow along your training for this, Claire. Hannah's, Hannah's has loads of amazing races herself. She did she did um, the uh, the spine in summer with with you, Tim. She was on the start oh, line yeah, with you. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But she, obviously she didn't see you because you were right at the front. Um, but yeah, she completed the 100 miler as well. So uh, I just think it's amazing what you guys do. Um, Peter says he's going to have to steal his daughter's skipping rope by the sound of it. Yep. And Antonio says, hi, Tim. Uh, Trail Running Phil says, this is all great advice. Um, he wants everyone to follow him on Instagram because um, he, I think he makes films as well. Um, yeah, he's got a YouTube channel as well. So, uh, yeah, follow Phil on Instagram, everybody, and that will be really cool. And uh, the Mountain Goblin says that all of the UTS distances are brutal. So, word of advice yeah i'll do the i'll do the 50k i'll do yeah don't think you're just doing 50k that it's easy compared Um, to 100k no it's going to be it's going to be hard whatever yeah it's going to be hard yeah um mike Haler says second day heavy leg day i know mike lives in the isle of man so hopefully i'll be seeing him um at the manx mountain marathon i think everyone should go over for that um yeah so yeah this has been a really popular chat um was there anything that we've missed do you think tim like is this I, i'm sure we'll catch up like like do you want to do these like every month or so we'll just catch yeah, up yeah we can catch up and see how training's going see yeah. how training's going cool okay yeah we'll do that so if you've got any questions for tim um we will be coming back and revisiting this topic as the year goes on presuming i can get into the lakeland 100 or some kind of 100 miler this year we'll get you into something don't we'll, get, we? we'll get us into something and and, um, or I'll just like happen to be running around the Lake District that that time. <laughs> like, no one can stop you. No, I would never recommend doing that. Um, but yeah, uh, if people want to book you for coaching, Tim, um, where do they go? How can they find you? Um, social media wise, you can find me more probably on Instagram um, rather than Facebook. Uh, although I'll be I'm on your your patrons, so your patrons will will sort of see me on on the Facebook page, but. Um, follow me on Instagram. So it's Tim Pigott, P-I-G-O-T-T, and then HP3, which is the uh, the company Health Performance 3, um, or my website, hp-3.co.uk. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm sure we can put sort of links at the bottom or whatever for that. Well, what does uh, HP stand for? Health and Performance. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, P for Pigott? Oh, but what's H? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a few other, few other things along with that. But yeah, the, the full <laughs> name is Health and Performance 3 yeah. Limited. Um, but it's yeah HP three yeah and it's three because you do you were doing a lot of triathlons for the three different disciplines yeah so that's where I started off um, triathlon my coaching was initially triathlon um, with the the academy squad so the kind of youth development GB athletes um, it's quite nice to see because some of the some of the very little ones that I very was first involved with oh. are now the senior athletes oh. on the GB squad oh wow um, and seeing them come through and um, you know being at the the very top of the game so that, that's lovely to see so that's where my coaching background came from ah, but then okay. uh, yeah it's kind of shifted um, obviously I'm doing more uh, ultra marathon stuff myself um, when my, my Strava stats came through and I realized that I did 18 minutes of swimming last year <laughs> that was it so I'm so not entirely sure if I'd still call myself anymore. a triathlete uh, that was clearly just one swim I did and then You're... I decided no maybe not you'll have um, to count bath time with the kids <laughs> yeah exactly um 
but um, I, I, I want to go back. I've still got unfinished business at Ironman, so I will go back to that eventually. But um, yeah. whilst I'm being sort of vaguely successful at the ultramarathon side of things, um, I'm going to kind of chase chase that one whilst yeah. it lasts. So what are you? What's coming up for you this year? Because are you sponsored by Scarpa at the moment? Yeah, so I'm I'm sponsored by Scarpa. So I'm part of Team Scarpa. Um, I'm sponsored by Sidas and Supernatural Fuel. So, and I get some support from Montaigne as well. Okay. So, racing for me this year, I'm doing the uh, Grisdale Trail Marathon in February. So that's just in a few weeks' time. Uh-huh. Uh, that's just a, a training run. Just it was to make. I entered that one to make myself do some speed work over the winter. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing the uh, Ultra Trail Snowdonia 100k. Yeah. And then I'll um, see you there. Yeah, so I'll, I'll see you down there that weekend. Uh, although I'm thinking I might, it might be more sensible to drop to the 50k. We'll, we'll see. I need to have a oh, shower then. Yeah, well, we because could I'm run then together. Doing Labrador. <laughs> okay. So that, that's the big goal for, okay. for next year's Labrador. Um, so that's the 120k um, out in Cortina in Italy. So that's going out there with Team Scarpa for that one. Brilliant. Um, and then I've just entered the Ridgeway 86. Mm-hmm. So the I did the Race to the Stones a few years ago and yeah. um, I won that one. But that's the the 100k so that's the sort of shorter mm-hmm. the other ridgeway run yeah um so i'm going to go and do the, the full the proper um r86 yeah. that's part of the trail running association championships their ultra distance event so cool. um see if i can add that one to the trophy cabinet yeah well that's 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 lots of long stuff for this year yeah, yeah. and when's that la- when's the final one so that one's in september Oh, okay. So you've got a bit of yeah, time. Yeah, so you've got sort of May and June Labrado. and then yeah. prep for September. Yeah, yeah. So like peaking a couple of times in the year. Oh, yeah. that's very exciting. Well, we can yeah. follow your training as well, can't we? Um, we can, when we catch up, we can see how you're... Yeah, people can... I'm, I'm visible on Strava if people want to follow what I'm doing on Strava and see what I'm doing. Um, my, yeah. my training is very much reflective of the, the family demands. So it's not always a, a logical, you know, it's not always you know, a long run at the weekend. It sometimes yeah. gets moved to a Friday or something yeah. like that. Midnight. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'll put all of your details in the film description below, or if you're listening to this on the podcast later, then all in the podcast show notes. And also Tim's been on the channel loads. So I'll put a little Tim playlist in the links as well, because it's super, super useful information, loads of information about upping your distance and going from zero to ultra running um, and doing hundred mile races as well. So, um, so yeah, this is going to be an exciting year for both of us. And um, I am looking forward to speaking to you soon, Tim. Thank you so much for today's chat yeah thanks for having me on cool okay bye everyone hope you enjoyed it